Welcome back to another episode of the Geek Roundtable. This is episode number 45. I am your host, Kenny, and joining me for today's roundtable are my good friends, Joe, Anne, Eric, and Tom. Today's roundtable topic will be our favorite horror movies. We had a lot of fun discussing our favorite horror movies. I am not a huge horror fan, but I brought three really good expert horror fans who really love horror. So we're really able to pick apart what horror means to us and some of our favorite movies. So we're just going to jump on in and take a listen to this episode's roundtable on our favorite horror movies. All right, it's time for another roundtable, and joining me today, I have my good friend, Joe. Hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Tom. Have the lamb stop screaming. (laughs) Anne. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I made you go after those guys. (laughs) I I was like, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Eric. Hello, I'll be creeping it real. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, good night. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, if you don't know, we're talking horror movies uh, for today's roundtable because it's Halloween this month, and I thought it'd be fun to discuss horror movies, even though I will admit. I am not a horror fan. I have some great people with me who are and enjoy horror movies. And I can contribute here and there. You know, I was a, a child of the 70s and 80s. So I did see some, you know, traumatizing movies back then. <laughs> so, all right. So I have I have the wiki definition of horror. Okay. All right. Horror movie means. Because I truly am confused. Because when you type horror in like a Google search, it comes up from like Beetlejuice to The Conjuring to, you know, there was stuff there like Jurassic Park yeah. or, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I'm like, I don't see those as horror movies. Right. So I want to know what your guys' definition before I read the actual official definition. Oh, so Joe, what's awesome. your definition of a horror movie? What Ooh. makes a horror wait, movie Wait, 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 wait. He's going to break it down. <laughs> Nobody breaks it down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes. A horror movie to me is um, no. Uh, for me, a horror movie is a movie that uh, takes away any kind of sense of safety, whether it be mm. psychological or physical. Like something that that just it, it makes me feel like I am vulnerable. Uh, so it could be a monster slasher. Mm-hmm. It could just be like some kind of natural phenomenon. Uh, but yeah, that's the simple definition for me. Okay. How about you, Eric? Um, I'm a traditionalist, so I, uh, I have a, a literature background and horror to me has always been anything that causes, uh, the feeling of dread or unease hmm. or at the very least intends to cause dread or unease because I don't really get scared by much of anything anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, like that's the root. And then from there, I, I would say horror is a big umbrella and I, I could yeah. see it covering 
um, lots of different genres like Kenny had brought up just a moment ago. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Anne? For me, uh, with horror movies, and, and I'm kind of newer to appreciating them more due to my husband, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are husband and wife, I, by the way. I, they're sitting in two separate rooms for me. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, I've, I've learned to really appreciate them. And I guess on my end here, with a horror movie, if, if mystery is involved, supernatural things are involved, mm-hmm. and kind of like what was brought up some fear and dread and unease in me mm-hmm. really that's when i feel some that's a horror movie for yeah. me okay tom yeah that was a big enjoyable subject in film school when i attended i have a bfa in film so clearly those things that were intended to be horror movies like i just bought it's funny that you asked me to be on and thank you kenny i just bought the entire universal legacy collection <sighs> You know, so each, you know, the Dracula and every mm-hmm. other Dracula, Frankenstein, every other Frankenstein. Yes. So I'm working my way through them. I haven't seen them all. I, I had seen quite a few, but I haven't seen them all. I'm kind of working my way through them. And of course, they don't pack the scare wallop that they probably did in the uh, 30s and 40s that they were made. In fact, uh, I'm watching Dracula, the original Bela Lugosi right now. And it's uh, <laughs> it actually reads very much like a silent film. Yeah. I mean, it's right on the, the, the right on the tail edge of uh, silent cinema and then sound. And and the actors are. I'm also enjoying it from a dialect point of view because there's a lot of that that transatlantic sound from the, from mm-hmm. that time. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think that the intent is to scare. I think that's the thing with a horror movie: the intent is to scare. They don't age particularly well. A lot of these movies because I think our sensitivity and sensibility as a culture. Sadly, we can tolerate and tolerate and tolerate more and more and more and more and more. And what scares us and terrifies us kind of has to get more sophisticated as we get more sophisticated. Mm. And I'd like to believe that a that a cinema viewer actually would be scared by Dracula film, but I I wasn't scared once. Like I'm watching it and I'm going, "This is a horror movie." I mean, mm-hmm. you can't get more horror movie than than slapping the name Dracula on something, and I'm not scared. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. I bought The Conjuring, it's sitting on my shelf, and I'm actually afraid to watch it because <laughs> I know they'll be, I know it's gonna really kick my ass, mm-hmm. and I can just, I'm, it's never convenient, you know, like I might, it might be convenient to watch it time wise, but it's late at night and I'm alone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's, it's not convenient to watch, but it's daytime would be a perfect time, but I'm busy, so. I actually haven't seen that one, and it's sitting right there. And um, anyway, long story short, too late. <laughs> it would be uh, that it's intended to scare. Okay, that's my definition. All right. Well, here is what Wiki says that right. horror mm-hmm. movies are. Horror is a genre of speculative fiction which is intended to frighten, scare, or disgust. Literary historian J. A. Cuden defined the horror story as a piece of fiction in prose of veritable length which shock or even frighten the readers, or perhaps induces a feeling of repulsion or loathing. Horror intends to create an eerie or frightening atmosphere for the reader. Horror is often defined into the psychological horror and supernatural horror subgenres. Often the central menace of the work of horror fictions can be interpreted as a metaphor for our larger fears of our society. Prevalent elements include ghosts, demons, (coughs) vampires, werewolves, ghouls, 
The Devil, Witches, Monsters, Dystopia, and Apocalyptic Worlds, Serial Killers, Cannibalism, Sociopaths, Cults, Dark Magic, Satanism, The Macabre, Gore, and Torture. Love it. What a list. Yeah, for me, I think I always, horror is supposed to scare me. That's what I feel a horror movie is is a good scare. But then again, like horror, and I think Eric brought this up, is that horror can definitely, it balances between like a horror science fiction or a horror fantasy or a Mm -hmm. horror drama. You know, there's horror elements of everything. Like I saw Jaws when I was- Yeah, I I saw Jaws when I was little. I wouldn't consider that a horror movie, but I guess it is. It scared me half to death. Yeah. So, you know, why wouldn't it be a horror movie? But- Poseidon Adventure scared the hell out of me. Yes, it's another one. But again, that's more an adventure, you know, catastrophe type movie. But again, it has has some of these elements that in Wiki says is a horror movie. So I just found that interesting because I truly didn't know what horror was other than it's supposed to be a scary movie. Like, you know, Saw and The Conjuring and Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. Those are like typical horror movies in my eyes. So. Even even Nightmare on Elm Street though ended up straddling that line and going moving from horror into like, you know, a whole it, other subgenre of movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely evolved over the incarnations of it. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why, like, when people ask me to define horror, why mm-hmm. I kind of go back further to the more classical definition, kind of what you just read, Kenny. Yeah, um, because there is a tendency, I think, to narrow cast these days, mm-hmm. and for people to assume that horror is only a guy with a big knife, you know, stalking you from house to house, or it's only a creeping monster. And if it's not those things, then it's not really a horror film. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of does a disservice to the genre as a whole. Horror yeah. is meant to to terrify you. It's meant to upset, uh, upset you. Yeah. And um, Jaws, I mean, when you get down to brass tacks, is a, is a creature feature. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> it's, not, it's not like, a you know, some sea monster, so to speak, but it... It is a giant shark, and it's. I think that's part of why it got under people's nerves mm-hmm. so well, is that yeah. there's some semblance of it that seems like it could maybe happen. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Even yeah. more menacing than Creature from the Black Lagoon, which is exactly. hard to wrap your head around yeah. the thing even existing. Mm-hmm. And it does withhold the image of the shark brilliantly, oh, although yeah. the, the famous story is that that's due largely to having to work around a lot of things. Yes. He intended to show the shark earlier, but the withheld image is a very classic, not yeah. a trope, but a, yeah. a, it's a classic technique yeah. of the horror mm-hmm. genre. Yeah. So now that we understand what horror is, let's go ahead and why don't you guys tell me your favorite horror movies? Let's go with like, let's do two or three of your, oh, okay. your, your favorite horror movies and why they're your favorite. So let's go with Anne. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I love gothic horror mm-hmm. stories in particular in gothic horror. I looked up the definition as well, Kenny, so I could make sure to get this right. <laughs> gothic horrors, uh, while there are monsters in some gothic horror movies, the common plot point involves a female protagonist, mm-hmm. exquisite pro, uh, production design, mm-hmm. a dangerous estate, Themes involving um, sexual repression and the presence of romance mingled with a supernatural tragedy. Tragedy. Mm. Okay, so just to kind of give that idea, so I like those gothic horrors. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my all-time favorites is a Hitchcock film called Rebecca, because for me, 
this is horror because it is psychologically affecting our main character and you're also trying to figure out what's happening to this mm-hmm. character. So those are horror movies that I like when it's like building up to something in that big reveal at the end. Mm-hmm. So I love that one. I love the classic. And I love the classic universal monster movies. So like yes. Dracula, The Mummy, uh, Frankenstein, because... There is the classicness of it, but there's also the campiness of them, too. And also where we've taken a couple of things from them to modern horror movies. So I, I love those those classic ones immensely. Um, so those are so I'm a little bit more old school in that yeah, aspect when yeah, it comes yeah. to horror movies. Yeah. But again, I like another gothic horror that was recent was Crimson Peak. I thought was beautiful and really well done horror movie. Gorgeous. Oh gosh, yeah, and it's like that gothic horror that I really like. So those are mine. I'll keep to those three. <laughs> and you know, because I'm going through them now, there's also something very hearkening to some Saturday morning shows. Mm. There's a sound quality to these movies, um, a slight hiss in the recording, uh, the old tape that's being used. There's almost uh, something white noisy about how their sound was captured. And I find that it makes me think of watching Abbott and Costello and the Three Stooges with my dad. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which is same era, obviously a completely different genre, but but same technology. The aspect ratio, the colors, the black and mm-hmm. white, uh, you know, the, the degree to which black and white was captured, probably the same sort of cameras. There's something w- very cozy about these movies that I didn't expect. So I don't know yeah. if that resonates with you at all, but... Yeah, I, I get your aesthetic and I, I dig it, Anne. And I won't Thank have you. the same uh, opinions, but yeah. I totally get why you love it. I love what you love. Um, there is a coziness, definitely, with them. Um, I grew up with watching classical films with my mom, so I think that's why I have a deep-rooted love for these movies. And yeah. when I look at other... Sam Raimi's really good with campy horror and I guess Mm. that's why I like his stuff too Mm -hmm. um, because I I feel like there's a little bit of a nod to the classics in that aspect yeah so yeah yeah. cool how about you Joe um all right so favorite horror movie of all time Mm. The Shining uh I I man I I love that film so much uh and it's really tough being such a huge Stephen King fan and very close friends with Stephen King obviously (laughs) it's hard to tell him like I love this movie um and really for no other reason than the fact that I'm a child of the 80s and my parents like raised me in front of a television like there was never like this movie's too taboo you can't watch it if I was awake, if I was with them, I was able to sit down and watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shining was one of them. And they were totally game for any questions. And there were a lot of questions. <laughs> but like, what is going on here? And they would take the time and kind of like talk to me about it. But The Shining scared the hell out of me. But because I grew up with it, like, even though it scares me still to watch it, like, it's kind of like a blanket. And I think we talked a little bit, and I don't think in this respect, but we talked about, like, the cozy aspect of watching films and stuff. And uh, The Shining definitely has that, where it's like, mm. I can kind of wrap myself up in it, that journey, watching uh, Jack Torrance kind of just descend into madness. I-, I think that not only is the story amazing, but just the work that went into it, the the production, the the actors, like, just everything that came together to make that film just kind of makes it this, like, 
this perfect little horror experience for me. And it makes me feel uncomfortable. At the same time, I feel cozy, but I feel <laughs> unsafe watching this movie. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I sit there with my wife. My wife can't stand this movie. She was raised on like Disney Channel movies. So I used to take her to see this once a year with my sister. And she's like, you watch this with your sister every year? I'm like, yeah, it's tradition. She's like, what is wrong with you? And sometimes when I start to like, you know, get, I lose my patience with my kids, she'll look at me like I'm about to turn into Jack Torrance. <laughs> And when I should just not say anything, instead, I'll kind of look at her and I'll go, Sarah, darling, light of my life. And she has to leave the room. <laughs> and usually that means I'm not sleeping in the bedroom. Then. <laughs> right. um, so I love The Shining. But like I said, I'm a, ch- I'm a child of the 80s. I would rent horror movies when my parents got divorced and I spent weekends with my dad. We'd rent movies, usually horror movies. My best buddy, Sean Murphy, would come over. We'd spend all night eating pizza, popcorn, watching horror movies, slasher films. That's when I discovered John Carpenter Mm -hmm. and specifically The Thing Mm -hmm. and just one of the best films. And it kind of informed what I find the most scary, and that's the unidentifiable, the enemy within like the unknown, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I can handle a dude with like a, a knife glove or a guy with a mask or whatever. I can handle that all day long. But if I don't know where it's coming from, that terrifies the hell out of me. And not many movies kind of gave me that same feeling until most recently there was a film called It Follows. Uh, and it was the first movie in a long time that gave me that, that feeling I had when I was a kid watching The Thing for the first time. Very cool. How about you, Tom? This was tough for me. Um, to to pick out. I mean, I I came in with the Silence of the Lambs mask, and I think that if I had to pick one, it would be Silence because, uh, frankly, the film is perfect. I actually have a list of forty four perfect films, and I was surprised to look at it again, and I said, "Oh wow, there's only two what I would call horror movies on it." Not it. I I, I was looking around my collection too. I live in my collection, as people know. A lot of people know. If you see a picture, a little snapshot, you see what I'm sitting in. And I looked around and I was like, yeah, you know, I collect, I got a lot of them, but I kind of tumble into collecting horror. So I was like, well, I bought the King Kong because I really wanted the King Kong little figure that's hanging off the (laughs) piece of building. But then I said, you know what? I'm kind of interested in King Kong and how, you know, all the King Kong films. So then I went back and I got the 80s one or the late 70s -hmm. one with... Jeff Bridges, and then, um, you know, all the way back, of course. And then the modern ones, the modern um, new take, joining up with Godzilla. And uh, so I've kind of, in my collecting mania, kind of more so gone after them for collections than really a a passion for the genre. I have a very well, I I generally like the genre, but I don't collect it the way I collect sci-fi. Like you and and I, Kenny, we're Mm. huge on that. I don't collect it the way I've collected, you know, for example, everything Spielberg's done, everything Clint Eastwood has done because of the fact that they're like an auteur that I really enjoy. And, um, you know, as I look around the room, Best Picture Winners is another one that I collect a lot. So I kind of tumbled into these collections. And then I said, if I were forced to really choose, I, I... what what do I love? Then I then I started questioning: Is the genre right? Because I really do love Jurassic Park, and I really could defend Jurassic Park as a as a horror movie. It's defensible. 
Mm-hmm. But then I said, what What would be really horror? Then I started doing what essentially what we just discussed, which was what what is really a horror movie. And then I said, if it had to be a person with a knife, I think it probably would go with Psycho, which I love. Mm-hmm. because then I love Hitchcock, but that's more. Mm-hmm. Why do I own that? I think I own that because I love Hitchcock and I studied him as an auteur. Unless it's not my favorite film of his, but it is a favorite that I, of his. So if, if I had to pick somebody mm-hmm. with a knife, I think it would be Psycho. If, I, if I'm if i given free reign to the genre, I think I would go Silence of the Lambs or Alien. I do consider Alien a, a horror film, whereas mm-hmm. I consider oh, Aliens... Yeah a science fiction film. Uh, I consider Alien 3 uh, some kind of existential ennui. (laughs) (laughs) I consider Alien Resurrection a poorly conceived notion. (laughs) And uh, The Predator versus Aliens uh, an abomination. But no. Hogwash. I'm just just kidding. I I watch them all. I own them all. You know, I own them all. Awesome. And Eric? Um, I just want to touch base again with uh, Joe. You said you go annually with your sister to see The Shining. Yeah. Um, when my younger sister came and visited me uh, several years ago, she was in her early 20s, I showed her Cronenberg's Videodrome. I don't know if oh, any of you have seen yeah. Videodrome. Oh, yeah. In college, <laughs> and, uh, <I> saw it. <laughs> Is it the one with the ass that talks? Um, it's, it's like, a it's like in the... his... It's like in his stomach. Like in, yeah, it's uh, an orifice. Yeah, an orifice. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but my sister recently, she came and visited again, and she said, you know, that kind of messed me up. <laughs> 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 so I just thought that was funny that uh, you great. see The Shining. Uh, anyway, my, my um, I think my favorite, it, I, don't, I don't necessarily have, I think, like an absolute favorite. It kind of depends on the genre or the mood that I'm in. But one of the ones that I always come back to is uh, Carpenter's Halloween, nice. which yeah. Yeah. I think is yeah. um, that's a great one. I think it's maybe a I think it's a perfect slasher, honestly. Yeah. And I think it, it's the um, it's funny because it's uh, in some ways like the beginning of the slasher craze in the American market. Um, but it's it's probably also the high point still. Mm. And I think what's so effective about it is the fact that. In the original movie, I mean, the mythology gets just absolutely buck wild as right. the series continues. But if you just look at the original movie as it, on its own, he's just he's just a man. You know, he's a man and his motives are unknown. Why he targets them, it's just bad happenstance. And I think that's kind of like, like Jaws we were talking about a moment yeah. ago. You know, crossing paths with the wrong person is something that happens to, to people, you know, and we know it. And that's yeah. part of what's so scary about it. And Michael Myers's face, his mask, is is blank um, because it could be anyone's face. You know, it could be any person in your backyard. Could be William Shatner's face. Exactly. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a, a zombie, or he doesn't have to have magical powers or anything like that. Just, mm-hmm. uh, just, just a, a man with uh, with bad intentions. I don't know if there's anything really at the end of the day kind of scarier. Yeah. And more realistic than that. So yeah, yeah. Halloween is uh, chilling, I would say. One of the other ones that I truly love is um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. And um, it's arguably one of the most uh, successful independent features. <laughs> it's one of the greatest American independents ever made. Uh, it was it was financed through, <laughs> uh, if I understand my lore correctly, it was financed through 
some racy pictures that uh, the the producers had put out beforehand, and then they pocketed oh. that money and used it to make TCM. Oh. Um, so it was made on a shoestring budget, and then you know here we are with I don't know like 10, 10 installments all told in the <laughs> franchise, more coming out. Um, it was like the you know like the Blair Witch or the um, or, or or whatever of its time. Yeah. Um, so modest budget, but huge huge returns for it. Yeah. Um, so I have a tremendous amount of respect for uh, Chainsaw, and I, I genuinely think it's one of the most um, horrifying and upsetting movies, simply because it has a documentary type feel to it, which makes it yeah. seem uh, more grounded Real, and a yes. little bit nastier. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, for me, for me, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not a huge horror fan, so I haven't watched any of the more recent ones. But, you know, being a kid of the 70s and 80s, Jaws is definitely, yeah, I saw that when I was, when it came out. So what was that 76? I feel like it's 77? 76, yes. I was, so I was like six, seven years old. And like Joe, my parents like, eh, sure, come to the movies with us. <laughs> I saw that drive in. I was petrified. I would not go in pools. Bathtubs, the toilet, the toilet was okay. I was scared of the toilet. No, but bathtubs and pools and lakes, like still water. Oh, yeah. I know fresh water that sharks don't live in fresh water, but I remember going skiing and I was like 23, and I'm sitting there in the water with the skis, and they couldn't get me up. I kept falling, and I was like having panic attacks, like please just get me up, get me up, because I didn't want. That. And it's so stupid, but that. <laughs> It scared me that much, that movie. So that did its job. Uh, the other one that is my all-time favorite that I will always love is is Poltergeist. Oh, yes. oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Yes, Beautiful. sir. I saw that yeah. in a theater at a drive-in with my mom, dad, and my aunt uh, when it came out. And I just remember sitting in the backseat with my aunt, and she was so freaked out. She scared me more than the movie did because she was so freaked out. <laughs> so I just remember not wanting to put my feet down were the uh, seats, you know, down below. So I kept wow. like, like Indian style on the seat the entire time. But yeah, those definitely, those two would definitely be probably my favorite. I saw Nightmare on Elm Street. I saw Texas Chainsaw. I saw Friday the 13th. And those, besides Nightmare on Elm Street, those are scarier to me because they're real. Like Eric was mentioning, the, the realism of a slasher movie is the fact that someone can do this. Mm-hmm. There could be some crazy man out there who, I mean, people have done it, who goes around killing people you know yeah. supernatural stuff I'm, I'm okay with aliens it's like okay it's unrealistic it's cool i love it but it's not, it doesn't frighten me the way a jason Voorhees would or a michael mm-hmm. myers would because they are actually i mean now they're getting more supernatural with those things but yeah. before like eric was saying the original ones were the classic ones they were classic just crazy people who picked yeah. some random house who picked some random kids to kill because mm-hmm. He wanted to, you know, uh, that terrifies me. So if I would, if I ever want to be scared, I watch that type of movie. Like The Conjuring, mm. I probably would like, because I think it's about, it's more supernatural, if I'm yeah. correct from the previews yeah. I've seen. So I could probably be okay with that. But any kind of realistic, you know, a real life event, I just can't, if it's too real, that's too much for me. Poltergeist is definitely the movie my sister and I watch. Mm. And Julie does a spot-on impression of the <laughs> the lady who comes and this oh, house yes. is it's clean. clean. She yes. does that. I say that after a deep clean usually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
He does. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> we also enjoyed Poltergeist too because the the preacher, the creepiest, oh, uh, he's so good actor of all time. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Let me in the house. Yeah. <laughs> right. Ooh, you do that really well. That gave me skills. God is in his own Kenny, you, yeah. you brought up uh, horror movies that I really don't like watching are home invasion movies. Mm. Oof. No. Realistic. Again, realistic, and yeah. Eric knows this, so he does not show me those on purpose, because if we want to have a good night's sleep... <laughs> I, had to, I had to really fight to get her to watch Your Next, which I think is a modern masterpiece. And I like it because it's technically a home invasion movie, yes, but it's a home but invasion it, movie with a very smart it, set of twists. It turns it on its ear a little bit. I yeah. love that. And it's also, I think downright funny um mm-hmm. so i think ann enjoyed it but she she was definitely a little on edge uh, that mm. evening yeah there was one particular scene where the one of the killers is under the bed and he starts getting out of the bed and i said i turned to eric i'm like this is not okay <laughs> this is not okay that you're just showing a me slow this. hand reaching yeah. out from underneath no. <laughs> uh, she was like nope 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 yeah. that's a whole lot of nope yeah, yeah. All right, so we talked about our favorite horror movies. We talked about what we feel horror movies are, what type of genre they are. So let's go ahead and discuss horror is a huge genre. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's extremely popular. It's been around since the 30s, and they continue to make them. And as Tom mentioned earlier, they continue to make them bigger and bigger. So there's these huge horror movies. Uh, but they, people keep coming back to them. People love to be scared. And I, I don't. I don't understand these people. I don't go to Halloween <laughs> Horror Nights at Universal. I, I don't, don't like that either. I don't someone chasing me. No, thank you. I, I'm uh, gone, but I don't ever like to go. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand it. So I want to know from you guys, since you guys enjoy horror yeah. more than I do, why? Why do you keep going back to it over and over again? Eric. Um, I, I think watching horror films is not too far off from going on a roller coaster. I mean... Why do people do that? It's the it's the excitement, it's that adrenaline rush, it's uh, it's the what the dopamine, the chemicals that your body creates after you survive this life threatening incident, even though you're strapped to you know a, a carefully tested and calibrated uh, train car. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a simulated experience, but it's it's meant to get that sort of like reaction out of you physiologically. And it's enjoyable. Um, you know, it's why people skydive. It's why people go bungee jumping or, you know, rock climbing. Um, it's about it's about affirming your presence, your life that you have and saying, like, I am still here um, mm. afterwards. So I think that's part of just like the, at a basic level, the appeal that people have to it. Yeah. As far as why I keep coming back to horror films, I mean, I think that horror and science fiction are the two most progressive genres out there. Absolutely. I think that they offer the most opportunities for for new types of stories, for introducing new types of protagonists, for pushing the boundaries of, of tropes and stereotypes and turning them on their heads. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of invention that happens in horror and in science fiction. And I think that's why they're so closely entwined sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that horror is... good horror, I should say, is largely political. So looking at the genre decade to decade, it's like, uh, it's like looking at a weather vane 
Uh, you can see the political direction that the country was blowing at any given point mm. by taking a sample of all those movies that were released in any given genre. So I think it's fascinating to um, look at it from that point of view and to give you kind of a broader context of like, this is what people are afraid of. This is what they're experiencing. This is kind of like the shared experience that we're having at any given moment mm -hmm. um, by looking at what's being released. So, I mean, those are, those are most of the reasons why I enjoy yeah. it. Cool. If there was a, a applause sound effect, we should just <laughs> throw us an applause. That was awesome. Eric. Seriously. No, I, I was going to tell Kenny, like, you just wonderful. need to put in like some patriotic music under him. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's the, it's honestly the best, honestly, the best answer that you could give for that. In fact, I mean, all I had written next to the, no, when you asked the question, I put down like dopamine hit, like that was all that I yeah. put down. Um, but I mean, the quick answer to your question is, yeah, it's, it's the thrill. Um, I guess the only thing that I can offer that would be uh, just a little extra to what Eric was talking about, why do we keep getting horror movies and why is it such a huge genre? Because it's cheap. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there are, there are a lot yeah. of horror movies that are like upping the budget and stuff, but a lot of horror movies are really cheap to produce uh, and, and you could crank those things out and it doesn't take a whole lot of money to make a good horror movie too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look at what Romero did in the beginning. So, uh, so yeah, like I think that it's, it's huge because it's accessible. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The, um, just to kind of hop on that for a moment, mm -hmm. Joe, I mean, like the sweet spot right now for horror films is a million dollars or less. Mm -hmm. um, typically, they're asking for half a million uh, yep. to maybe 750K. Um, and you're only getting more than a million dollars if you're, you know, a legacy film. If you're Halloween Kills, you know, with a, with a huge IP and stars attached, okay, maybe you're getting 20, 25 million, yeah. something like that. But for everyone else, you have to do it on an extreme budget. So there's, yeah. um, there's uh, big gains, but small risk. And that's yeah. why it's so inventive. Yeah. But that also works because if you look at Jaws... Because they didn't have a budget to, to get a working mechanical shark and it kept screwing up over and over again, we didn't get to see it through mm -hmm. most of the movie. And that's what made the movie, I think, more successful. It helped. Is yeah, because we didn't see this thing. We just heard it or we saw a thin or we saw someone go under, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah, I think smaller budget, you have to learn how to convey what you want to say on a smaller budget and you come up with more interesting ways. You don't see the person every time. You don't see a close up of this. You don't see a close up mm -hmm. of that, you know, and I think that works in the favor for horror movies. Absolutely. Movies, you don't need to be spoon fed everything. You know, the best the best part of horror is what your imagination. Nothing is going to oh, be God, scarier than yes. what your imagination can build. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you, you work on that with the audience if you're good at telling that story. Uh, Eric had talked about how he thought, you know, he felt that horror and sci fi, you know, those those are two genres that work well together. And I kind of wanted to speak to that just really quickly. I had a same feeling. I was talking to my wife about this yesterday, I think, where we kind of both agreed, like, we really love horror. And comedy, and not mm -hmm. so much like not not Freddy Krueger with dumb one-liners like oh, you know that's like a cut above the rest. Oh. Uh, but like <laughs> you're, when you're clever, and maybe kind of the tone that Sam Raimi, as Anne pointed out earlier, what Sam Raimi, the tone he set off early in his career, where he kind of married horror and comedy together, mm -hmm. and it's because like to be scared and it's it rides such a, a, a close line to also being hilarious like both mm -hmm. of those things are a weird similar psychological release 
like two different reactions to maybe the same situation. And I love seeing that put together in clever ways when someone can make something that's scary, legitimately scary, but also, also funny in a way, you know, as you're reflecting, as you're watching it, like, like these dark comedy horror movies are, uh, they're, they're, I'm eating them up. They're basically got me targeted. I'm their demo, but I uh, <laughs> just wanted like, I think that's a, a, an interesting piece of crossover. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, do you want to contribute? Eric. So when Eric and I first started dating, I asked him the question, why does he like horror movies so much? Um, because he really wanted to introduce me to them mm-hmm. because I love science fiction movies. I love science fiction and fantasy movies. And so with you guys heard his answer, cause that's what he gave me. It kind of made me realize that the, the similarity with them telling the story of that era in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah. So with him telling me that, it really made me appreciate certain um, horror movies more, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers we talked about. I had seen the 50s version. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And then Eric introduced me to the 70s version with Donald Sutherland. Mm -hmm. It's a whole other way of telling the same story, but with the political aspects that were going on in the 70s at the time. And it was terrifying. Yeah. So um, to go off with what Joe said, when I go to horror experiences like Halloween Horror Nights or like Creep or like Delusion, for example... I get scared, but then I laugh afterwards sometimes yeah. because I'm like, okay, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. Let's go on to the next thing. Exactly. <laughs> you know? While pulling Eric's arm the whole time. Yeah, so, um, so the reason why I go back, especially to some classic movies, Eric, Eric has Criterion. And they had a Val Luton series. Mm-hmm. And Val Luton was uh, um, RKO. And he was given a shoestring budget to say, hey, this horror thing's really great for Universal. Let's try to do some things. Mm-hmm. And we watched Cat People. And I realized the reason why I kind of like horror movies is that little bit of the suspense part mm-hmm. of yeah. like, she's, she's, this one character is walking away and you know something's behind her. But you don't see what it is, like you guys were talking about. Mm-hmm. And then you, she keeps walking, da, 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 she keeps walking. And then all of a sudden you hear a screeching noise and you think that she's being attacked, but it's actually the bus that she was waiting for. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's that, oh, like, to me, it's the mystery and also the anticipation of, like, did I figure it out yeah. kind of like yeah. thing that I like the horror movies for, I mm-hmm. guess. When we were watching Your Next, like Eric was talking about, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, what's going on here? Like, what's happening? And I listened to this little piece of, I was listening to the dialogue and the character said, you too. And I paused the movie and I'm like, Eric, he says two. I only know of one of the brothers that's, spoiler if anybody's not seen it, I guess. Um, <laughs> I that one it. of the brothers oh, is, so is behind it. And Eric's right, like, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't know. And did then, he mean two, T-O-O? Yeah, or T-W-O? Or T-W-O? I'm like, what's the two he's talking about? And eventually you find out there is another person and it's just like, ooh, I caught something. Yeah. You know. So I guess that's like why I like the it. mystery, all the little clues, yeah. trying to figure it out before it's actually revealed. That's, that's my thing that I like, that I keep going back to. Yeah. But like Joe said, I've worked on productions for horror movies as a stunt coordinator. It's amazing to see what people come up with with a lower budget, mm-hmm. but make it beautiful and work and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff because they do make it work. Romero, like you said, was great at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, 
I guess that that's my contribution. Cool. I um I would encourage everyone to to go check out some Val Luton movies. Cat People is probably his most famous one. He's like the original Blumhouse. Basically, he was told by RKO. God, like Universal is like eating everyone's lunch with these Frankenstein and Dracula movies. We need to compete. And he thought, hey, that's perfect. I'd love to. And they're like, great. You're our guy now. You're the horror division. (laughs) And said, by the way, you only have a fifth the budget and we need it done in like two months. Yeah. And so he was put under incredible uh, circumstances to deliver movies. And so he created movies that were more psychological. So he he really kind of laid that groundwork of it doesn't always have to be prosthetics. It doesn't always have to be big special effects. It can be story driven. It can be character driven. Mm-hmm. It can be about what's unseen. And that's sometimes more scary than, you know, the big creature that's uh, rolling yeah. the halls. And yeah. uh, he was a real trailblazer. So I, I, I would encourage everyone to go check out at least one of his movies. Cat yeah, People to, is super. Yeah, because that's that's definitely those scare me more. Like I said, when there's not lots of special effects and not lots of mm-hmm. it's more suspense and mystery and you know that stuff that will terrify that's the stuff that will terrify me the most. So, Tom, last one. If you have anything to contribute, why do you keep coming back to horror? Movies? Well, you you're like me. You don't really watch horror movies that often. So, yeah, um, I I've been thoroughly enjoying listening to the three of you, kind of hovering in in a space between where you guys are and where Kenny is and then throwing in the I'll I guess I could call it compulsive collector in me but I'm also you know I'm a film student and a long time ago I lost the ability to watch a film uncritically occasionally a a, a really wonderful film will will keep me as a as a true viewer through the whole movie it's very rare but Nowadays, what I do is I'm, you know, I'm watching the acting, I'm listening to the dialects because I'm a dialect coach. I'm, I'm looking for opportunities for a role. Oh, I could have played that, you know. Or in a year or two after study, I could have played that, you know. All movies are aspirational to me mm. because I want to be in them. Yeah. Um, and uh, and same with television, which is becoming there's to me there's so there's very little distinction anymore because the quality of te- television shows particularly streaming shows, are just as good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I watch these movies as a film student, as a participant in television and film, as somebody who wants to participate even more than he does. And then, as Kenny and I share, I uh, come from an editing background as well, so I cannot watch a movie without uh, developing an opinion of how it's edited. And the excellence of a movie is rooted in editing. And some of the finest editing you'll ever see is in horror movies. Mm. So I just find, you know, a classic example going back to Silence of the Lambs is the uh, alternative narrative sequence where they're descending upon a house and we're cutting into James Gum's house. And then the resolve is that they descended upon an empty house, the team, and he opens the door to only Clarice. So she it's him and her. It's the protagonist and the antagonist. Mm-hmm. She hasn't yet confirmed he's the antagonist. She pretty much thinks it. And the entire team, all her support, through careful editing, is not where she needs them to be. And she's on her own. I get goosebumps now talking mm-hmm. about a sequence that was edited to perfection 
Yeah. So I don't know that I've added anything new mm-hmm. <laughs> to your original question, except a whole new perspective that a person can enjoy a movie. Yeah. And uh, if you can set aside the fact that you're terrified. <laughs> so again, you know, it, it may even take a few viewings to have the kind of experience that I'm talking about. But yeah. they are they have a rich cinematic tradition, a, a, a rich artistic tradition. Like I said, a lot of them don't hold up well, but if you can look at them critically and understand, as Eric has so eloquently put, that uh, you know they are a snapshot of an era, mm-hmm. a snapshot of a perspective, a snapshot of a political landscape, that's that's a whole other level, fascinating level to delve into these movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you have almost every auteur master has given us at least one. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. If you're interested in kind of exploring that space a little bit, I mean, I, I would encourage people check out Invasion. The original one uh, is about the Red Scare. It's about communism. Right. And then look at the 70s one. It's about environmental inaction. It's about thinking that the world is going to turn on us because we've poisoned it. It's the same. It's the same story. It's the same framework. But the way that it's portrayed shows how differently, you know, the, the American culture had shifted in the intervening yeah. time. So... Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Something cool. similar with uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. I think the two are mm. a different snapshot as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. cool. All right, really quick, we're coming to the end of the podcast. So we're going to do a really quick round of my last question here. Do you have a favorite series of horror movies? So you know, it could be one character that's been in different movies or just one like Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, he, there's, I don't know, 63 of them. <laughs> um, something like that. So, Joe, uh, Evil Dead, uh, oh, the, yeah. the, the Evil Dead movies. Uh, as far as a horror film franchise goes, and I know the argument can be made that Army of Darkness isn't a horror film, and I would tell you to just you know go shove it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's still plenty in that movie that still kind of captures a little bit of that horror era, and there's no way you could have that movie without Sam Raimi's Evil Dead's one and two. And you know what? Even the remake that came out a few years ago. I have a soft spot for. I know it's not a perfect film, but uh, there's still some love there. Yeah. Uh, it also gave us Ash versus the Evil Dead, so that's cool too. Yeah, no, the, the cool. Evil Dead franchise, love it. Cool, and well, Joe, I gotta agree with you because <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw Army of Darkness first, wow. <laughs> mind you. The Army wow. of Darkness first, and I'm like, oh, this is a really cool, oh, a little scary, a little all this sort of stuff. And then I watched the the other two, <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, I saw it out of order. That's fine. But if I had to pick another one, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Scream actually, because that's yeah, what that's I good. grew up with, and I had to pause that movie and other ones a <laughs> lot to get through. <laughs> so mm-hmm. cool, cool, Tom. Okay, well, and. I've got to agree with you (laughs) because uh, as a series goes, I absolutely adore the Scream movies. And again, I think it's there is a self-referential quality to it, uh, a film student quality to it, a movie about a movie that knows it's kind of about a movie, but stays enough not about being about being a movie and and remains a movie enough that... (laughs) still in the movie and you're still yeah i mean it really is wonderful Mm -hmm. and holds up pretty much throughout i will throw a little um love toward the hannibal lecter series because i talked about that so i do have an affinity for every hannibal lecter movie Mm -hmm. on its own terms 
and um, including the TV series Hannibal. Uh, not so much the movie Manhunter, which is a Hannibal Lecter LLC. Really? The first Hannibal Lecter movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes, with the, not so much a fan of that. But it uh, wow. basically Manhunter mm. is Red Dragon. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm big yeah fan of that not one too. not so much a fan of that one, but I okay. I think it's just because you know I I watched Silence first before I knew about Manhunter, and Anthony is my indelible Hannibal. I I kind of can't accept another, and I approached Hannibal the series with the highest level of skepticism I think I've ever had for any kind of reimagining or reboot. I said, "Mads, who? What?" What's going on? And I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now so, I'm mad about Mickelson. I am totally <laughs> mad about Mickelson. There you cool. go. Cool. How about you, Eric? It's a bit of a toss up. I, I think pound for pound, I would say Nightmare on Elm Street is probably the most enjoyable series out there. I think it just gets so wild as it mm-hmm. goes on. And some of the special effects work in it is is just like the height of eighties horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Freddy Krueger turns into Bugs Bunny. Yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> but I think my most beloved franchise—I got to go back to it—is is Halloween. Um, I think there's something there for everyone, and I think it's sort of fascinating how the timeline splinters in so many different ways. There's something like like four timelines, I think, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> You can kind of like pick and choose which ones you like. I'm a huge Halloween three fan. I know a lot of people. Uh, oh, oh, season of the Witch. Season of the Witch. I think it's a great for <laughs> sci-fi, and it's something that you can watch uh, with anyone, especially somebody who maybe doesn't like slashers, so to speak. But uh, it's like a fun sort of sci-fi mysticism uh, uh, one-off. I think it's just a really fun franchise. Um, but the first one is the the perfect one. All of the franchises in the 80s, like they had that one that didn't quite fit. Like Halloween yeah. had it. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street had part two that was like, oh, oh wait, yeah. wait, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm with Eric on this. Nightmare on Elm Street would be my favorite. I have seen all, except for the remake, but I saw all the original Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Really enjoyed it. And I think it's for that reason that Eric said, is it got more sci-fi, more fanciful. And I like that aspect. It got less scary. It was, it was still scary. It was still slasher, but it wasn't, you know, I mean, he, you know, he's a TV. He comes out of the TV and grabs a girl <laughs> and, you know, kills her that way, <laughs> shoving her head into the TV. Um, stuff like that, which I, I, that's, four is still my favorite. Dream Warriors is by far my favorite. That was three. Oh, wow. yeah, that was yeah. part three. Is that three? Yeah. Oh, I don't like part okay. four a lot though. I think yeah, part, part four. Doesn't part get four was good. Part four was yeah. good because that's when they brought in the whole new character because she dragged that girl into her dreams yeah. and then all of a sudden got attached, okay, yeah, yeah, attached yeah. to her. Yeah, I mean, I can go on that one. And then uh, obviously, I love all the Jaws movies. I know people don't are iffy about after one, but I love two. No, and I even, love them all. Even three, four was decent. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, even even Michael Caine in yes. part four. That's right. Yeah. Oh, and then and then Poltergeist as well. Poltergeist one, two, and three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. It's unfortunate that the little girl passed away in three and they didn't really finish it the way they wanted to finish it. But, right. you know, I still like that universe and, and I did enjoy those. So I'm with you on that. Kenny, can I pose just one quick question? Sure. What's up? Uh, so we talked about how self-referential like Scream was. Uh, and I feel like this panel uh, definitely should at least kind of have a few words about this this movie before we close things out. So it takes the DNA of classic horror mm-hmm. and it makes it the actual plot of the film that these things, these tropes from horror movies are actually all part of like a right that has to you know be performed 
regularly. And I'm talking about Cabin in the Woods. Oh, I was going to mention that one. That's I did see that one in the theater. That's the last horror movie I actually saw in the theater. Right. And so really? I guess I'm, I, I would love yeah. to get Eric's take on this, especially uh, being the horror master of the panel here. <laughs> you know, was it to you, is it clever? Is it smart? Is it fun? Or is it a cheap, you know, cash in on like a bunch of horror tropes? I saw Cabin in the Woods in theaters and I, I loved it at the time. I think it did kind of usher in a, a more modern trend to be referential. Shortly after that, you've got things like Scream Queens coming out. You've got all the American horror stories. So it became kind of hip again, mm -hmm. I think, to be meta about horror. Yeah. I don't know if that's always a great thing, but I mean, you can't blame a, a film for creating something popular that everyone kind of gloms onto. Mm -hmm. I, I personally loved it. And one of the things, one of the conceits about it that I think was so smart is that it gives reasons for why people make bad decisions in eighties horror films. You know, <laughs> we should split off. We, we should get naked and, and mm -hmm. have sex right now. Well, it's because they're being, they're being controlled. Climate control is like being introduced or there's like some sort of drug being pumped in the air. That's making them act foolish. You know, like you, you, you watch those classic movies and you think I would never in a million years do that. And like these kids wouldn't do it either until like they're being, you know, poisoned by stuff yeah. being pumped into the cabin. And I'm like, that is so clever. Mm -hmm. It it so explains all that bad behavior that we see in the movies. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a great movie. I'm, I'm actually planning on watching it again pretty soon. Okay, so it's okay for me to like it. All right, yeah. I didn't want. To... <laughs> it's okay for you to like whatever you want. To be honest, I don't. I don't want to be a gatekeeper here. Eric is so grounding. <laughs> I feel normalized. He's validated what I like. <laughs> All right, guys. On that note, uh, thank you again for joining me for the roundtable. This was a really fun discussion. I learned actually quite a bit about horror and the horror genre, and I think I'm gonna. I've been trying. Like I watched uh, House on Haunted Hill the series yeah I great loved it scared me half to death but i loved it so i'm gonna i'm i'm dipping my foot into more horror so i may actually give ann and erica call and give me some recommendations some good horror that anytime I can back into. Yeah, yeah i wrote down a few that i'm gonna i think yeah. i'm gonna pick up yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you guys again. And really quick before we go, I want to make sure I promote anything that you guys are doing right now. So uh, Joe, what are you up to these days? You know what? I got so much stuff happening right now. So just follow me on social media at Next Wave Joe. I'm usually on either Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, you could follow me on Facebook if you want. I don't know why, but you could do that. <laughs> but usually I'm talking about the things that I've got going on. Uh, I wasted time with that question. So that's it. That's my plug. All right. Well, I'm going to have all – he'll send me all the links that he wants you guys to know about, and they'll be in the show notes. So you can just go to the show notes, and we'll have all the links to his projects and uh, all his social media. So you can there we uh, go. get that. How about you, Anne? Anything? Uh, yes. Um, if you have Hulu, check out uh, Bite Size Halloween. It just started on October 1st. I did stunt coordinating for one of the episodes. It's nice. episode 15 called Free Birth. Check it out. There's fun nice. little, they're like maybe like eight minutes uh, shorts, but they're yeah. delightful. But definitely check out episode 15. Great. And then I will also have her social media links in the show notes. And also if you watch The Mandalorian, she's actually in it and has quite a bit of screen time. Uh, which was fantastic. I remember when you told me you did that years ago. Yep. Um, and to see so much of uh, your face on screen was fantastic. So <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. Mandalorian, you can try and spot her. It's not that hard. Uh, <laughs> Eric, do you have anything you want to promote right now? 
Um, not not necessarily at the moment, but I did host a horror themed podcast a few oh, years ago. Cool. And I interviewed um, modern horror filmmakers. We had uh, conversations really along these lines. So if you're interested in hearing more about the um, experience of creating low-budget horror films in uh, the, the post-streaming world, I recommend it. It was called At the Point of a Knife. Oh, cool. That's a nice so that was, podcast. Yeah, so that was my, my podcast, and I'm planning on actually um, starting up probably a YouTube uh, video essay series, kind of talking about genre uh, films and horror in specific. So that'll be launching hopefully sometime soon, but I'm still in the uh, early stages of that. Okay, great. Uh, and then Tom. Well, I'm going to go back to Mandalorian, try and catch <laughs> Anne again. Uh, That's season two, episode one. Season two, episode one, people. You can't miss it. Check it out. Can't miss her. He's the I... great dragon. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do some really good like, body movements. Yeah, space work. Right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I love that Joe knows the name of that dragon. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah, so I'm an actor and voiceover artist. I just, while we were working, just got a email that I booked a commercial, which is congratulations. Nice. congratulations. Nice. Good job, sir. Thank you. And uh, I host a podcast called Back Through the Basement. So Julie and I, my sister and I, Julie Antonellis, also a comedian, voiceover artist and actor, She's in Massachusetts, I'm in L.A., and we have to go through, over FaceTime, all of our toys and belongings in the basement. So 80s kids will love it. Parents of 80s kids who bought the kids the toys will love it. (laughs) Millennials love it. A millennial friend of mine told me, oh, my God, Tom, I I love listening to Back Through the Basement. I spend the whole time Googling whatever it is you're talking about. (laughs) So... Uh, we're having such a great time and if you listen we almost always are going to do some really obscure and arcane impressions for you in the last episode or two back or so I did uh, Mumra from Thundercats Uh, and like I said Julie does a great uh, medium from Poltergeist 2 the the lady so yeah that's my big thing and uh, at Tom Antonellis on Instagram at Tom underscore Antonellis on Twitter and back through the basement is at back through the basement pod on Instagram at BTT basement pod on Twitter. Yep. And I'll have all that information in the show notes. So you don't need to worry about that. Uh, you can find me geeky fanboy all over the place. I also have a TikTok called Kenny's collection. It's Kenny's with an S collection uh, where I am posting uh, videos of my toy collection. I've been collecting for 45 plus years. And then obviously he I puts have, the basement to shame, by the way. <laughs> I have five more podcasts besides the Geek Roundtable that you can check out. Uh, you can go to geekyfanboyproduction.com. Uh, again, all my information will be in the show notes. So thank you guys again for joining me. This was a great roundtable, and I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Hope you guys enjoyed that roundtable. We had a lot of fun discussing our favorite horror movies. I learned a lot about horror movies, just about horror in general. What I thought was horror, what really is horror, stuff like that. So it was a really enjoyable podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us discuss horror movies. And I want to thank my co-hosts, Joe and Eric and Tom for their horror expertise and discussion. And of course, I want to thank our listeners for returning every month and joining us for our roundtables. So until next time, guys, take care.
That was a scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the newcomers podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the newcomers podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. I'm Tom, sheltering at home in L.A. I'm Julie, sheltering in the home we both grew up in in Boston. And together, we're We're going going back back through through the the basement. basement. Mom and Dad want us to go through (laughs) all of our toys and belongings. I think Mom and Dad are taking advantage of the pandemic. (laughs) What the f*** is that guy? It's called a wuzzle. Mommy, So laugh. (laughs) That thing is so (laughs) fucked (laughs) up. Get emotional. <laughs> I'm a fucking mess over here. And discover what we find and what we keep. Which will probably be everything, Jules. <laughs> I know, right? Thank you to Kenny Mitleider and everyone around the Geek Round Table. Thank you to all their listeners. From us in the basement, we want you to know you are all keeps. Definite keeps. Attention, attention. Are you a fan of MASH, one of the most groundbreaking television series in history? Then take a listen to the MASH 4077 podcast, where hosts discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. So come and find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 podcast or online at www.mash4077podcast.com. The Geek Roundtable Podcast is a Geeky Fanboy production and has a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives Works 3.0 United States License All Rights Reserved.